happened. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Mm, Sweet words. Let's pray together. We bow before you, our Father. We bow before you in your providence, in your sovereign dealings in our lives. Thank you that in your providence you have given us health and life and breath today and the ability to gather ourselves as you ordain, to worship you as a gathered people, a local church. And we pray that the worship that we offer you from our hearts will be pleasing in your sight. We pray that it will be a sweet savor in your divine nostrils. We pray that you will find hearts that repent, hearts that love, hearts that turn, hearts that believe. And we pray that you'll find hearts eager to receive your holy word. So we ask that you would speak to us now, speak into our souls, speak into our lives. We open ourselves, we bear ourselves to you. Have your way with us. Do what you will, that you may receive honor and glory, for we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. So, the balance of Ephesians 2 and the first part of Ephesians 3 is about our unity in Christ. It's about being one. Specifically for them, it was about Jew and Gentile who had been enemies being brought together in Christ as one. But the principles that apply to Jew and Gentile apply to all kinds of other differences that might exist in our days. And we too can be one in Christ. But on our planet right now and in our country right now, we are certainly experiencing a time, a season of division. And whatever diseases the world catches always spill into the church. And there is lots of division in the church of Jesus Christ. I'm not saying this one. If there's lots of it in this one, somebody's hiding it from me. So I'm not not saying that. Happily, I'm not saying that. But I'm talking about the church. There's lots of other people in the church besides us, right? And this is a season where the illnesses of the world are trying to creep their way into the church of Jesus Christ. We're in one of those times maybe described by the Apostle Paul where he says in 2 Timothy 3.1, but understand this, that in the last days, that's now, the last days are from the cross to the second coming. This whole time period is called by the apostles the last days. Understand, Paul says, that in the last days there will come times, seasons, periods of difficulty. So wherever you live and in whatever time you live, things will get a little better and then things will get a little worse. When our country was torn by civil war, that was worse. Uh, When we were involved in a Vietnam war, that was worse. 
when Russia invades Ukraine, that's pretty worse. Huge nuclear arsenal, not far away from Germany now, if they, if they are able to take Ukraine. So we live in times of difficulty, but there are many more difficulties, and there are many more issues that are trying to rend churches asunder in our days. Let me name some. Some of these should never have anything to do with the church, and some of these are inevitably going to come into a church with real believers and cause division and strife. So there's no shortage right now. COVID. By the way, when, when COVID first hit, uh, my good friend Mike Crawford, he works for the Southern Baptist Association now, um, we, were, we were on the phone and he said to me, now the real pastoral work is going to begin. And I said, what? What are you talking about? He said, no, 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 there's, there's going to be division over this. It's going to be in your church. And I said, no, nah, not our church. Well, it really wasn't bad. There was maybe some, I don't know. I'm not on Facebook, so I don't get to see it. But COVID and masks and vaccinations. Can I just pause on vaccinations? The Bible doesn't say yes and the Bible doesn't say no. That means you get to pick. That means it's completely 100% an issue of Christian liberty. So just for the record, just because you might find it interesting to know, Debbie's vaccinated, I'm not. She said, I want to get vaccinated. I said, cool. Go get vaccinated, baby girl. She got vaccinated. She's never once said to me, you need to get vaccinated. It's just not something, we, it's not an issue. It's not a problem. And what it is in our marriage is what it ought to be in our church. You get to decide. And then there's racial and ethnic division and strife in our land, and it is coming into churches. And then there's the whole woke thing, and there's critical race theory going on. And then there's the multiplying of genders and the, the rebellion against God-ordained gender roles. There's, there's even, I mean, serious, there's, there are issues, there's debate about what does it mean to be a man and what does it mean to be a woman and how do I identify them? There's, there's a change in terminology now. We used to always say a pregnant woman, and now it's, they're saying pregnant persons. They're intentionally doing that. Pregnant persons, because it might be a man, because that person believes they're a man, but they're pregnant. So all of this confusion going on. There's the whole, the entire LGBTQ, and I don't know what other letters have been added. I'm out of touch. Plus, and, and is there any political strife? I don't know. It might be the worst I've seen since the Vietnam War. Most of you weren't even alive during the Vietnam War, but I was. I was like 15 or something when the Kent State shootings occurred, the May 4 massacre, where four protesting students and nine others, all unarmed, were shot by the Ohio National Guard. Four were killed, nine were wounded. I remember that. That was a difficult time in, in, our, in our life. But now we also have, everybody's got media, everybody's got social media, everybody has a microphone, everybody has a camera, everybody has an opinion, everybody has a platform, and it's bonkers. I'm so happy to not be on any social media. It's just wonderful. Actually, I'm on one, and the only thing I follow on it is Cornerstone Community Church. Have you heard of them? Yeah, I follow them. Uh-huh so I can keep an eye on it, really. 
And as if all that's not enough, now Russia invades Ukraine. Now, I'm only joking when I say this, but I'm not entirely joking. One of my thoughts, there are many, one of my thoughts was, really, Putin, did you have to do that now? Like we're just finally getting past COVID, the whole globe, we're finally getting things to calm down, and you have to invade a country now? Yes, he had to do it now. We're in a time of difficulty, and the church catches the world's diseases. And the question arises, with all of that going on out there, how can we, how do we stay one? Well, I'm going to suggest to you, we can't completely. It's not like any church can ever be completely one. That's not going to happen. There are always going to be tensions. What we can realistically expect to do is to manage the tensions, like reduce them as much as we can, but there's still going to be some. And at that point, we have to manage the tensions. There are great helps in this passage for managing the tensions. They had problems, Jew, Gentile. I don't want those people in my kingdom. I don't want those people in my church. I don't want those people in my row. They had problems. Paul addresses it head on. Verse 14. For he himself, we've been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace. Now, four times he's going to use the word peace. The Greek word erene, peace, 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 peace. And one of the ways, you know, to figure out what an author is after, one of his points might be is notice his words, define his words, notice what words he repeats. Those are always a very big clue to what is he after. He's after peace among people in the church of Jesus Christ. Peace, 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 peace. He himself is our peace. He is who has made, now listen to this, this is critical, who has made us both, Jew and Gentile, one. He has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Peace, 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 one in him, broken down the dividing wall of hostility, Jew and Gentile together loving each other in Christ, standing together shoulder to shoulder, embracing one another. He has made us both one. Verb tense, past, done. Not He's trying to make you one. No, you are one. He made you one. So to pick, to pick a possible divisive thing that I didn't mention earlier, are there any Ravens fans here? Are there any Steelers fans here? I think there are, but they didn't dare raise their hand. Oh, I see two waving at me in the back. Get them. <laughs> like, can, can Ravens fans and Steelers fans be one? Well, you better be if you're in Christ, because Christ has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall. Whatever particular dividing wall that would divide you from a brother or sister in Christ, Christ has broken it down. And he makes us one, verse 15. And this is what he did for them. By abolishing, 
Here's what the dividing wall was. By abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances. Now, scholars differ. I'm not going to try and solve it for you. I'm not smart enough. Just telling you, scholars differ. What part of the law does that mean? How much of the law is that referring to? Some say that's only referring to like civil and ceremonial laws that really did separate the Jewish people from Gentiles and kept them very separate. Don't eat with them. Don't touch them. Don't et cetera, et cetera. Others say, no, it's actually the entire law has been fulfilled by Jesus Christ, and now we're under new covenant law. Again, I'm not going to try and solve that one for you. Just letting you know it's there. But but some part of the law, at least, Paul is referring to, and he says, Christ has now abolished the law of commands expressed in ordinances, the one that separated Jew and Gentile. It's gone. The thing that separates, we can't eat with your kind. That's gone. Our daughter can't marry your son. That's gone. All the things that separated Jews and Gentiles, gone. It doesn't exist anymore. That, there's a purpose for doing that, that he might create in himself one new man. And that phrase is amazing and crucial and vastly important for Paul's argument. One new man in place of the two, so making peace. What is Paul saying? He's saying that prior to the cross, you had two peoples on the planet. You had two men. The word man is not aner, the Greek word for masculinity. The word is anthropos or anthropoi, plural, the, the term for humanity. There were two human groups prior to the cross. They were Jew and Gentile, the nations, the goyim. So from the Jewish vantage point and the first century vantage point, there were these two groups. Paul says, since the cross, there is now a third group, and you're in it. And a Jew who gets saved is no longer in the Jew group. He's in the new man group. And a Gentile who gets saved is no longer in the Gentile group. He's in the new man group. There's a third people on the planet, Jew, Gentile, and one new man where you're one, where you're really, really one in Christ. Other scriptures buttress this. Galatians 3.28, in Jesus' church there is neither Jew nor Greek. They don't exist. You were a Jew, you are no longer. You're a one new man. You were a Greek, you are no longer. You're a one new man. Or 1 Corinthians 12, 13, we've all been baptized into one body, whether Jew or Greek. You were a Jew, you were a Greek. Now you're one body. Or 1 Corinthians 10, 32, don't cause offense to, and then he names three groups, the Jews, the Greeks, or the church of God. So there's, there are three groups now. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're part of the new group. You're part of the one new man. So a Jew gets saved, he's now the new man. A Gentile gets saved, he's now the new man. Guess what? They're in the same thing now. That's what he's saying. You're no longer in those two different things. You're in the one new thing. You're both in it. You're members of it. You love each other. You embrace You are now allowed to eat together. Your daughter can marry his son, and so on and so forth. There's a new group. And inside of that new group, the things that matter most, we all 
totally agree on. Right? I mean, anybody who's really in that group is going to agree on the Trinity, the deity of Christ, virgin birth, substitutionary atonement, salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, the inspiration, inerrancy, authority, and a lot of other E's of God's Word, a literal second, second coming, a bodily visible second coming, a last day, judgment, heaven forever, hell forever. The core doctrines that are believed by, by all believers, the great doctrines of the faith, and he now holds those dear, and he now holds those dear, and everything else is way down there somewhere. So the things we love the most, because we have new hearts, we love new things. Because we have the same new heart, now we love the same things. The Jew and the Gentile love the same things. And take whatever other, the, the Ravens fan and the Steeler fan, they love the same things. And Ravens and Steelers are way down there on the list. Right, Laban? Come on. Say it like you mean it. I know it's hard. All right. So the things that our whole lives are about totally, deeply bind us together in one in Jesus Christ. So making peace, 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 peace. There ought to be so much peace in the body of Christ. There ought to be so much peace between those who hold those things dear in common. How do we make peace between warring people? Unite them in Jesus Christ. Well, they're not all going to be united in Jesus Christ, so there's going to be warring people. You will hear of wars and rumor of wars. That's going to be right down till the end. How do we make peace between warring people? It doesn't always work. Where it doesn't, it indicates that something other than Christ is being required for their unity. So you have these people, and they say they're Christians, and these people, and they say they're Christians, and they're warring over something. They're saying that something that didn't make our list of core doctrines, something else has been elevated to the top where it doesn't belong, and we can't be one if we don't agree on, pick that issue up down there, Steelers, Ravens, if we can't be one on that, we can't be one. You're elevating something to where it doesn't belong. You're giving something greater importance than it deserves. I can disagree with you on a ton of things, but if we, if we agree on the core doctrines of the Christian faith, we are tight, you and me. Last week, I know you all get sick of me saying this. Some of you tell me, I'm sorry, my little life. Last week I mentioned Chevy trucks and Ford trucks. And I mentioned if you drive a Chevy truck, just please don't park it out in the front. And one guy sitting back there parked his right out in the front today. <laughs> Michael. I was tempted to park my Ford right in front of him so he couldn't get out. No. That would be elevating something stupid to a place that it does not deserve to be. There's a long list of stupid that we could elevate 
and so divide ourselves. Let's go on now, verse 16. We've got to move faster. I intended to move faster through the next few verses. Verse 16, and that he might reconcile us both to God in one body. So we're one new man, and we're one body, the body of Christ, through the cross, thereby killing, good term, the hostility. He killed hostility. Hostility between you, sir, and you, sir. He killed it. It's dead. Does not exist any longer. He made you so one. You love each other in Christ so deeply. You love the same things, the Word of God, the kingdom of God, the people of God, the glory of God, the gospel of God. You love those things supremely, and you're so one. He killed the hostility. Verse 17, and he came and preached peace to you who were far off, that's Johnny Gentile, and peace to those who were near, that's Abraham the Jew. Jesus preached peace, peace, peace with God and peace with one another because it makes you one, one new man and one new body. Verse 18, for through him we both, Jew and Gentile, or any other both you want, we have access through him in one spirit to the Father. It's one, 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 both one, over and over and over again. Verse 19, so then you, Gentiles, are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints, members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure, Jew and Gentile, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. You are the new temple. You're the new covenant temple made of living stones, made without hands. And Jew and Gentile are living stones in the same structure, in the same building, in the same house. Verse 22, in him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. We are so one. God dwells in us in our oneness, one house, one new covenant temple, one spiritual nation. So, you, you happen to meet a Christian. Well, I know. I, I met someone from China here this morning. They speak some English, and I didn't know one word of Chinese. You meet somebody from China, and you find out they're, they're a believer. Do you have any idea what their politics are? Do you have any idea what their view of name something else is? No, but you seize them. Oh, you're a believer, a brother, a sister in Christ. And you're thrilled that you have a newfound friend because you are both now, you are now both citizens in the same nation, stones in the same temple, one body, one new man. You're just one in so many ways. So this is how Paul weds or welds, maybe I should say, believers together, Jew and Gentile believers together. We are so together in Christ that all those things I listed early on in this sermon that threatened to come into the church and divide us, well, a lot of them mean nothing to us. Others of them we would divide over, like if LGBTQ tries to come into the church. We don't say, sure, we can all coexist. No, 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 right? Like 
if, if abortion tries to come into the church. No, no, no. We, we can't say, oh, yeah, we have both views on that. No, 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 no. Some of these issues, if you divide over them, it's because someone believes the Bible and someone doesn't. Right? But there's a whole lot of other things that are dividing Christians that aren't a I believe the Bible, you don't issue. It's like fine-tuning on different things, different opinions. And the danger in the church of Jesus Christ right now is that our lines of Christian fellowship will be drawn not according to biblical principles like theology, soteriology, the doctrine of salvation, ecclesiology, the doctrine of the church, bibliology, the doctrine of the Bible. No, no, the danger right now is that our lines of association and fellowship will be drawn according to current expressions of cultural antipathy and identity politics. And the temptation is to minimize the things that really make us one and to fight over things the world is fighting about. COVID, masks, vaccinations, the multiplying of genders. That's a biblical issue. The rebellion against God-ordained gender roles, that's a biblical issue. LGBTQ+, that's a biblical issue. Racial, ethnic division and strife, well, there's a lot of issues wound up in that, aren't there? Like, certainly we all agree racism is bad. We can't even agree on what it is anymore. There's new definitions of what it is. If you're not an anti-racist, then you're a racist, and it goes on and on and on. And so that gets tricky, and there are big divisions in Christians along, among Christians along those lines right now and a host of other things. White supremacy, systemic racism, police shootings, critical race theory, black lives matter, blue lives matter, all lives matter, Christian nationalism, abortion, just all these things swirling. Some of them are absolutely biblical issues. Some of them are like masks. Does the Bible tell you to wear a mask? No, like if your governor does, then I'd say do it. But it's not a biblical issue. Being one is. All right, so put this question up for me, slide man, please. It says, what do we want? What do we want? Notice how slowly I'm taking my drink. What do we want? Well, we want to be one in heart with all peoples, right? As one as we possibly can be. We want brotherly love to abound. And certainly in Cornerstone Church, we don't want even a hint of racism. We don't want a hint of ethnic division. We want to be one. We want to show the world what it looks like when Christians live together in brotherly love. We want them to say, behold, how they love one another, as they did of the early disciples, the disciples in the early era of the Christian age. That's what we want. We want to be one to the glory of God. Next slide, please. Well, what is our enemy? Well, there are plenty of them, like the devil and sin. I know all that, but here's the one I'm after today. What is our enemy? Division. 
Division over things that aren't core doctrine, division over things that aren't in God's Word, division over lesser things. We must have division, Paul says in 1 Corinthians, so that those who are approved may stand out. We must have division because there will always be pseudo-believers coming in among you, rising up from within. There will always be division between do you really believe God's Word or do you not really believe God's Word. There must be those divisions. We must divide over things like that. But our enemy is division over other things, and division over other things is game over for a church. It really is. And I'm not, are you worrying? I'm not preaching this because I see some big division brewing. I'm preaching this with the hope that it won't get in here. I'm also preaching it because we're in Second Corinthians, I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 2. I know where we are. I was testing So let's back up and let me, uh, let me approach this thing this way. I'm going to talk about the bases for our oneness. The bases for our oneness. Well, we should consider this to start with. We are one by our common humanity. Amen? I mean, with everybody on the planet. We're all made, we're equally made in the image of God. Every person you ever meet Race, nationality, language, doesn't matter. There, there are brothers and sisters in humanity. They deserve our love, our respect. We value them because they are bearers of the image of God. We want their well-being. We want their blessing. We're willing to give and sacrifice because they're humans, and we're supposed to love our neighbor as ourselves. Second command, first love God, second command, love people, all people. So we're one by our common humanity. We can even trace it past Genesis 1 and 2 and go to the flood. Again, we come through common humanity. We all come from Adam. We all come from Noah. Every human. Secondly, think of this. Another basis for our oneness is we are also one by our common fall. Everybody you will meet is fallen. No more fallen than you, nor are you more fallen than them. We are all equally fallen. All we have gone astray, we have turned to our own way. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He's laid on Christ the iniquity of us all. We are one by our common fall. So you'll never meet a person who is more fallen than you. So you can't go, oh, disgusting. No, you're pointing at yourself. And anything they do, you, you could do, given the right opportunities, the right pressure, the right circumstances. We know that from history. The things people do when their back is to the wall, we're all fallen. Are, are some worse than others in some ways? Well, yeah, it's amazing. This is not PC. Paul writes to to Titus. He's out on the island of Crete putting the church in order, and Paul says, I want you to teach them some things. Here's something I want you to teach them. Cretans are always liars, lazy gluttons, evil beasts. So what do you think of that? That's God's word. So we know it's true. They, they were a bunch of liars, lazy gluttons, evil beasts. So some people can be more like that, and some other people might be less like that. But we are absolutely one with those people by our common fall.
it's so easy to say, what's wrong with those people? Point to the other team. If you're political, point to the other team. What's wrong with those people? And it's very easy to make the answer, well, they're stupid. I know someone who argues that way with me. That whole bunch over there that's that color, they're there because they're stupid. All right, Um, we're all pretty stupid. I don't think all the brains are red or blue. Um, We're all one by common fall. Three, another basis for our oneness, we in Christ are deeply and eternally one by our common salvation. It is so big, so powerful, so tight, nothing can weaken it. One new man, division destroyed. And we want to put that on display, deeply and eternally won by our common salvation. So, if you're in Christ and I'm in Christ, we have so much in common. We are so deeply one. Let nothing else divide us. Let none of the Facebook arguments divide us. No, we're deeply won by our common salvation. And here's a, here's a number four. And if something else weakens our unity, we're allowing that something else to have more power with us than the cross, than core doctrine. Like, you and I have the same core doctrines, but we're not having unity because here's what you believe about ravens. All right, you're putting something up on a list where it doesn't belong, and pick whatever other thing it is that you want. You're putting it on a list where it doesn't belong. If something else weakens our unity, we're allowing that something else to be on a list where it doesn't belong, to have more power over us than the cross. Now, there are some things, I want to say it again, that that we would divide over. So somebody comes in and says, I do not believe in the deity of Jesus Christ. All right, guess what? We don't have unity and you're wrong. And you're welcome to attend here, but don't you be spreading that stuff. We need you to come as a learner, right? We're okay with that. Come as a learner. If we see you over in the corner, it's going to be trouble. We have some big dudes here. We can turn them loose on you. So there are things that we would divide over, but there are things we should not divide over. So a good friend of mine has very different views. He's a very good friend of mine, and he has very different views than I do, and we have argued them. He has very different views than I do on how to bring about ethnic reproachment in the United States. Very different views. He's a brother who is very serious about Jesus Christ. The Bible doesn't tell us, here's how you do that ethnic reproachment. So he's been led to that view, and I've been led to this view, and we are in very different places. But I love getting together with him for fellowship in Jesus Christ. I'm not going to cut him off, because that thing's not on the list of we cut off over this. That thing is not on the list of we separate over this. And He thinks doing that would really help the problem. I think that would make it worse. But we're not going to divide over that. I'm not sure how to read your faces right now. 
And I'm pretty good at reading faces. All right. Let's talk next about ways in which and people with whom we are one or we are, we are not one. Point number one under that. We do not have, let's make it clear, we do not have deep unity with pseudo-Christians. All right, so some of what's going on in the disunity that's in Christ's church right now is the presence of pseudo-Christians. They used to be called liberal Christians. They don't really believe the Bible is God's word, etc. so they don't believe a lot of other things. They're now called progressive Christians. There's nothing progressive about it. It's regressive. They're going back to the garden, the hiss of the serpent, when he said, has God really said? And they're just saying that again. They're pointing at core doctrines in the Bible and hissing. Has God really said? And they're claiming to be Christians. Well, they're not. So we can't have unity with them. We're not going to have unity with them. Uh, They're the people described by John. I don't have these verses to go up. In 1 John 2, verse 18 and following children, it is the last hour. This whole time period, this is the last hour. And as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. Well, tell us about some of the Antichrists you have in mind, please, John. He says, oh yeah, here, I'll tell you about them. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us, but they went out that it might become plain that they are not of us. But you who are staying in the church of Jesus Christ, you have been anointed by the Holy One, the Spirit of God is in you, and you all have knowledge, saving knowledge, core doctrine knowledge, biblical substantial truths knowledge. So you're not going to say, nope, I'm going to go out and be a progressive Christian. Now, you're going to stick with the fundamental truths of the Word of God and be one in them with all your brothers and sisters in Christ. But there are lots of pseudo-Christians, and in some cases where there seems to be division in the church, it's division in the church because there are unbelievers in the church. All right? But secondly, let's be honest. Being one in Christ doesn't mean that all differences between us just vanish, does it? Wouldn't that be nice? Believe on the Lord Jesus and all your differences vanish. What would that do for marriages? Bad marriage. I'm sorry. That's hard. That's rough. Then you both come to saving faith in Jesus Christ and poof, all the problems are gone. Wouldn't that be nice? It doesn't work that way. And being one in Christ doesn't mean that all the difference between us just vanish. I'm really glad that Acts chapter 6 tells us that in the early days of the apostolic church, some of the best days the church ever knew on the planet, there arose a division and a murmuring among the brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm so glad the Bible's realistic about that and tells us they couldn't pull off complete unity. Being in Christ didn't mean all their differences just vanished. Here's what happened. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists, that's Jewish people who lived out in Greek-speaking land and took on more Grecian um, characteristics, but now they're in Jerusalem. A complaint arose by the Hellenists against the Hebrews, that's the really Jewish Jewish people, because their widows were being neglected. It doesn't say because they thought they were. Lots of times people think something is and it isn't. But no, actually they were. Their widows, the Hellenistic widows, were being neglected in the daily distribution of food. 
This was an ethnic thing. It's like, we're going to take care of the really Jewish women. You all have to wait. And the church met and said, uh, that's not how we behave in the church of Jesus Christ. And they picked seven men to make sure those widows got fed too. Incidentally, the seven all have Hellenistic names. So they were thinking ethnically. They were thinking wise. They're thinking, how can we make this really work? Let's pick, let's pick guys from their group so they'll be sure these guys are going to care about them. And, and the problem was solved and the church grew and it went on. That, that was a wonderful thing. But it illustrates the fact that being one in Christ doesn't mean that all differences between us just vanish. There's work to do. This is where character qualities come in, like through the Spirit, love, joy, peace, gentleness, patience, and outside of the fruit of the Spirit, long-suffering, forbearance, understanding, laboring to understand, that's where these things come in. Let me go right there to a third thing, and this would be my last one. Being one in Christ doesn't automatically make us think well either, does it? Wouldn't that be great? You become a believer in the Lord Jesus, and all tendency to fall into logical fallacies is gone. And you think clearly and fairly and sanely. And in your little brain, you never bear false witness about anyone. You never imagine someone and say something is really not true, which means you're bearing false witness. But being a believer doesn't automatically make us all think well about all these complex issues. And Paul says it matters how we think, Philippians 4, 5. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Like, who do I name? Bill, someone, there's Bill. And Bill should be so reasonable that everybody knows he is. That's what that means. You should be so reasonable that everybody says, well, there's one thing I can tell you for sure about her. She's reasonable. The problem is that to get reasonable takes work. Some people are born with better reasonable skills and work really, really, really hard at them and become very reasonable. Those are nice people to be around. Marry one like that. He'll be reasonable. She'll be reasonable. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Work hard at it. So, division in the church of Jesus Christ. Hey, I'm so thankful we're not suffering it. Let's work hard to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Peace, peace, peace. All right, Cornerstone people? All right, good. Father in heaven, thank you for blessing us with peace. Knit our hearts together in the Savior's love and add many more to us who will come bowing the knee, confessing him, believing on him, and may we with one heart and one voice in the same mind and in the same judgment lift up the name of Jesus Christ and glorify our God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.